You're about to listen to Dinner with Bands, a joint production between 90.5 KCSU and the Music District in Fort Collins, Colorado. This is an artist collaborative that features musicians as they share a meal and discuss what it's really like to be a local musician. The guests for this episode are Saja Butler, Johnny Burrows, Sean Hagermeister, and Anthony McGlon. This episode was hosted by me, Brian Tyson. Um, I'm Anthony McGlon, a singer extraordinaire. No, uh, <laughs> singer and recent uh, transplant here to Fort Collins. And I do classical, R&B, jazz, soul, all kinds of music. My name is Sean Hagermeister. I'm the guitarist in the Burrows. So I'm Johnny Burrows, and I'm the lead singer of the Burrows. I'm Saja Butler, and I'm a singer-songwriter and also a member of Lois and the Lantern. And I have a studio, Urban Monk Studios, here in town. All right. Awesome. Yeah, thank you all for introducing yourselves. So just uh, to ponder on this first question, um, you can take a minute. You can uh, raise your hand if you'd like to answer first. but. Um, actually, you know what? To start it off, I'll call on you, Anthony. All righty. So, <laughs> first question, are you a touring musician or have you toured in the past? Oh, well, my kind of tour is a little different. Okay. In the sense that I don't have a planned, uh, like I go from city to city, but like contract to contract. So mm. for me, touring is like one contract in one city, then another contract in another city, and then mm. a series of operas or concerts or recitals. Uh, or performances, or like a national tour I've done as a performer mm-hmm. uh, across the country. So as a, as a solo artist, not necessarily attached to a band, mm-hmm. what my touring is like is completely different from like being in a group in that in that way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I go where the work is. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. You know, <laughs> don't we all go where the work uh-huh. is? Yeah. Where the work is. That's the role. <clears throat> so, Sean, if you'd like to introduce yourself again, just for the listeners, and then also, uh, are you a touring band? And if so... Uh, how was it? <laughs> right. I'm Sean Hagemeister. I'm guitarist with the Burrows. Um, the Burrows have not toured a ton. We've gone on what we we term them mini tours. Mm-hmm. A couple of spots here, stops here and there, maybe three or four dates. Mm-hmm. And Johnny, is your experience similar? Yes. So uh, Johnny Burrows, lead singer of the Burrows. Um, yeah, the band has only we've only done one tour to the south, and then. We've done, you know, plenty of overnight gigs in the Colorado area, um, but only one full-fledged back-and-forth tour. And so it's been a thing for us trying to figure out how that works with nine members and, uh, and yeah. making that viable and, and honoring the fact that all of our members are working musicians in other facets. Uh, so it's been kind of, you know, as the band has progressed, is figuring out how does it work out. Um, with nine members and then trying to make that viable for nine members um, and making it work uh, that each spot, you know, is worth it to go there. And then, Sasha, if you could explain your touring experience as well. Um, Again, many tours, like they were saying, but Mm -hmm. uh, mostly hanging out in the area that I was in at the time, Colorado mostly, Mm -hmm. and uh, Tennessee. There's another place that I was in a band. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, having the studio, I have to stay kind of closer to home. What was the band in Tennessee? It was called Quack with a Q. <laughs> what, was that the full name? That was, was the full name, and we were a B-52s kind of band. Oh, nice. So nice. it was nice. kind of, yeah. Nice. <laughs> so we had to say it like that. 
<laughs> Everybody sing like that. <laughs> so, like, if we could go around again and we just talk about how hard it's been to uh, pay the bills while touring or pay the bills by touring. So if we want to talk with you, Sandra. One thing I've noticed that you have got to claim that you are worthy of the money. Yes. Because if you are not, they will, people won't give you money. So I say, I've haggled. I've said, I, you know, this is my full-time job and I love what I do. So if you want the full me, um, I, you, I deserve to be paid. And so when people see that and they hear that, they kind of respect it more. I was like, you asking me to play at dinner or come into your house and go, oh, play me something is like me asking like, well, do my taxes or that, you know, at dinner. Right. I was like, respect who I am as a musician. It is very hard. Uh, so I just say, claim, I claim myself. I claim my worthiness. Yeah. All right. And Anthony had his hand up. <clears throat> I so. think like just piggybacking on what you said about like, um, you know, piecing it together. You have to know your worth. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And for me, that's been one of my biggest struggles as an artist. However, you have to get other people to believe that that vocation, that same thing that they saw you at Joe's, that their sister's wedding sing your butt off. <laughs> you have to claim that. Like, you know, knowing your worth, claiming it, and then making other people see that in you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they pay you what you're worth. Yeah. I completely agree. You got to know your worth. And I think a lot of bands got to know that they got to start working their butt off so that they're worth something. Mm -hmm. Because I think with, you know, we talked about it a lot. There's so many people that can play music, so many people that can get out there and book gigs, so many people can do those things. And if you suck and you're the one pushing for like money to be brought in, that brings down the worth of everybody else around you. So it's knowing your worth, but also knowing that if that's what you're gonna be your worth, then you gotta put the work in behind it, which is what you guys were saying. Like you definitely gotta put the work in behind it. What would you say is the biggest thing that you did not expect coming into the music world, or rather to rephrase that, what did you expect to have control over that you didn't? It's the, the stereotyping mm. is what mm. I was not expecting. Even though women have been in the music industry, we've been doing certain specific things. Mm. Um, there are standout uh, vocalists, obviously, mm. right? Um, and standout uh, violinists. Uh, specific instruments seem to go with certain Genius. with women and gender right mm -hmm. so when you have women playing uh guitar and uh for me i play banjo mm -hmm. and i'm a black chick if you can't see me on the podcast but i play banjo and it is from africa but uh it is not obviously specifically you know known to be an african instrument until recently but it, the stereotyping is what I was really surprised about. I remember one particular gig I had on Mountain where they have uh, the street festival, so they close the street down, the Wood Street mm -hmm. Mountain. And this guy was just like, he was, you know, very, um, you know, I think he was just, he's never hung out with anybody outside of his race. And he was mm -hmm. like, looked at me in the banjo, and he's like, wow, you're playing the banjo. That's fantastic. <laughs> and I was like, wow. You know, and then I recognized he wasn't the only one. You know, Bonnie Raitt is an example of a supreme guitar player. You know, uh, Elizabeth Cotton. These, we need to bring back the, 
you know, women-led things because they're, you know, women have been playing these instruments for, for some reason it's been very stereotyped. So yeah. that was the thing I didn't expect. <laughs> uh, I just, I'd, I'd love to kind of talk about that too, actually, because it's, uh, it's been interesting for me um, being in a band where we have two incredible uh, female musicians and they're amazing. And what's been incredible to me is seeing the same stereotypes and, but never realizing it until you're there and you stand next to like Mary or a drummer mm -hmm. and a guy comes up and he's like, wow, a woman drummer, that's crazy. <laughs> and you, and she's so graceful. Like she's, she's very gracious. And she says, you know, of course she says, thank you. But, but seeing that over and over and over and, uh, and there's been many shows where, you know, uh, you know, a, a person will, will single them out during the show and will be like trying to talk to them and like just because they're the females that are on stage mm. and you you know you gotta kinda defer what they're doing. But it's it's been just been interesting for me just mm -hmm. being a man my whole life. Can I piggyback on one thing? Yeah, Anthony. Okay. Um could you say some you mentioned this but we didn't go there, so I'm gonna go there because I like <laughs> to go there with certain things. Okay. Um as a African American classical artist the expectation of when I say I'm a singer, the assumption is that I'm either gonna sing jazz, gospel, and R&B. Mm -hmm. So when I tell people I'm a singer, like, oh, you sing uh, 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 John Legend, or you sing, well, actually, you know what, that I do sing that. That's a part of what I am, but both my degrees are in classical music. Mm -hmm. So I actually do sing opera, oratorio, and art songs too. Yeah. You know, and for me, that has been an interesting dichotomy. Cause my last, I'm Anthony McGlone. Nothing about my name would even remotely picture that I'm African-American, right? Mm -hmm. And so to walk into an audition or walk into meeting someone for the first time and I say, hi, I'm Anthony, and like just to see what that, the expression like, oh, you're not what we expected. <laughs> um, before the dawn of the internet has always been a thing for me. And just trying to like, you know, break through that glass ceiling of, you know, just as, as, as you're saying, like being an all-chick band, that, you know, yes, I'm African-American and, you know, I do other things outside of Stevie Wonder and Ray Charles, <laughs> but I can also, you know, I know about Mozart and Donizetti and Verdi ah. and, you know, <laughs> all those things too. And, um, you know, how you fit in into like this scope of music. And I think the same thing, like, you know, I, and I have to tell myself the same thing when I hear like a, a, a white guy or girl sing soul music, it's like, oh. Oh, she can't clap on two and four and four and three. Like, it's not just... Some of us can. You know, Phil, yeah. Some of some, us can. Some of us can. Some, you know, most times it's like, okay, y'all, let's wait to the right, to the left. Um, just having that experience, I think, as a musician, also has been one of the things that's been kind of like um, mind-opening mind and also eye-opening as well as just like... Uh, calls me to look at my craft in a different way. So what does it take to be the leader in your band or in your musical career or, um, or your chosen line of work? Um, from a business and musician standpoint, um, it, it takes courage and you have to, you really see your insecurity. Like I've constantly over 10 years I've had the studio and over that time I've been in bands and uh, it's easy to hide behind in a band to, for example, share the um, experience on stage, share the energy on stage. Um, and then it's awesome and glorious. And then you have a business and all of a sudden I'm learning about myself as an adult for the first time. Mm. And it is so 
hard mm -hmm. and then it's awesome <laughs> and then it's hard again and mm. then it's awesome so you have this flux of like all these layers coming off because they have to because all of what you're doing is you're wanting to is, is share yourself to the world but at the same time you have no no one doesn't like me you know or mm -hmm. it's not i have to be like what everybody else wants mm -hmm. and that's what i've i've recognized every time i try to do something that is not me it's just it, nobody wants it. And it's so funny. Like I, for example, I was my hair, I had my hair in several different ways, like over my lifetime. And I saw this Afro convention two years ago and I was like, it, I'm throwing out my hair. <laughs> and I was, cause I've never had cornrows, braids, dreadlocks down to my butt, all kinds of stuff. And so I like had this fro now and it's like almost to the capacity of like awesomeness. And so it's, it's a fro in training. So like, it'll be released soon. But, uh, but I'm so excited about it. Shut up. Shut up, Anthony. Shut up. I love it. It made me realize, like, I, you know, I see myself in the mirror in the morning, and even though it's all buckwheated because I was sleeping on the side, I'm like, oh, this is me. And my, and my bandmates see me, you know, like, oh, my God, it's so great. And I can't believe it. I wish I had a fro. You know, I'm like, what? I was just growing it because I don't like relaxing my hair anymore. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it was amazing. Like, right, 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 you know, right, right, right. so I kept, you know, all those things, the business, the music, I just kept finding the walls had to drop and I'm finding myself as an adult, you know, for the first time. And it's really cool. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank Welcome you. Welcome to adulting. Thank Woo. you. <laughs> yeah, Sean. Speak on the, the leader thing. I think what it takes is just finding your strength and then leading that yeah. with nine people. You know, you can't have nine leaders of everything. I feel like Johnny, his strength is songwriting and the whole creative thing. He, he does a lot of that. Um, you know, we have Hayden and Alec kind of doing the merch stuff, taking that over. I'm a blue collar guy and I have family man. So I have a van. So like I'll load and drive, you know, I'll take the lead on that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's everybody finding whatever your strength is and just taking ownership of that. So Johnny, going off of that, I just had a question for you. Then what do you think your strength is? He mentioned your singing and songwriting, but, or Sean mentioned your singing and songwriting, but if you want, if you're going to pick something, what would you pick? My greatest strength yeah. as far as in, inside of the band? Uh, inside the band or as um, the namesake of the band. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think my greatest strength is that I'm going to give you everything I got every single time. Like I'm not going to go halfway. And if I'm passionate about it, I'm not going to go halfway. And I think uh, in this band to make sure that it doesn't matter, you know, if we're playing in front of 8,000 people or we're playing to 15 people, I'm, I'm gonna give you everything I got. And that goes into our practices too. When we come to practice, I'm there. Uh, I've thought about what we're doing. I've thought about you know what we're working on. I've thought about where we're going and I'm gonna give you guys everything I got. Um, uh, so I would definitely say that's my strength and that's what I try to do um, you know, every time we come together. For me, <clears throat> it's only my own weaknesses. Your weaknesses are your strength? Yep. Okay. In the sense that I know what I have to work on. Mm. I know that I'm not like, okay, I'm not a perfect tenor by any stretch of imagination, even though I like to think I am. <laughs> um, and knowing, you know, for example, like with this show, I am not nobody's dancer. Being able to own that, okay, 
it's going to take me an extra day to learn this two-step combination. Both, but knowing that, okay, right. and being honest with myself enough to say, okay, Anthony, you have to go and like by yourself and get this two-step. Um, but also, like you know, what kind of notes did I sing, or am I really did I take the time out to be prepared to come to this? To, to come to this rehearsal, to get ready for this show, whatever it was. Like, you know, when you get the music in the mail and, you know, I, I was doing a show, I never forget, I was doing a show in um in uh, in uh Milwaukee and I knew the role, but like, uh, I didn't know it as solidly as I should have. And like, finding in different points in the rehearsal part, ooh, yeah, I gotta tighten this up. So coming back after the break, I'm like, okay, I've worked on this, da 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 And owning that and being okay with that and always giving myself uh, a goal to reach, you know, a place to 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 strive to and not, and, and be okay with that and, and owning like that I'm not, that I'm not perfect. I think for me, that was my, for me, that was my biggest thing, owning that I'm not perfect. Because in my mind, I'm the best thing going since sliced bread. <laughs> um, and owning that and, and, and being okay with being human yeah. and having error and having flaws, mm -hmm. which for me is huge. Because in that, in that moment, I think I've, I've been able to do my best work. Do you mind if I speak to just actually leading the band, though? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, Go ahead. Because it's, uh, you know, I, I, a lot of what I've learned about leading a band, uh, when I first came into, you know, having nine people, uh, you know, I always wanted to keep the creative like vision open. And I always wanted to feel like that everybody was putting in and everybody was doing it and everybody. So sometimes I, I used to just leave it so wide open and at times then, then nobody could really go anywhere. Mm. It, some of the first times I brought a song in, I wouldn't tell anybody what I was thinking, what I was, what I was hearing with the song. I wouldn't do anything like that because I didn't want to tell anybody how they should create. Mm. Um, and what's been an incredible thing to learn about leading people, uh, especially leading creatives, uh, is that if, if you keep a vision intact of where you're going, mm -hmm. then they get all this space inside of that mm -hmm. to create something fantastic. And that goes from everything to when we write songs together uh, to when we're working on a project, like we're right in the middle of recording our, our first in-studio album and, you know, everything we're doing inside of that, you know, to where our live show and what it looks like. You know, if I just say, um, you know, it's going to kind of be like this, let's just figure it out. Mm -hmm. Then then there's too much and it could go mm -hmm. in so many different directions. Um, but and I used to, you know, be afraid that if I if I set a vision that I was going to be controlling and I was going to stop their creativity and I was going to be like, everybody has to do it my way. Um, and uh, but realizing that if there's a vision, if we all know where we're going, even if it's a simple song, like, hey, this is the vibe we're going for. Like we're going for like James Brown meets Stevie Wonder. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's what we're mm. going for. That's what we're going to put it together. Spicy. <laughs> we should hang out together. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so, and then then they can sit in that, and then and then I see all this incredible stuff where they take something where I heard it one way, and they go a completely different direction, and it's so much better. So learning that as a leader, you always have to have a vision. Uh, for where you're going um, and then inside of that everybody gets to add to it and then even your vision adjusts and it changes because people start to add to it and they say well what if we did this instead and then that's where that comes in you're like great that's you know what that's what I wanted I wanted you to be invested in where we're going so learning that with leading a, a large group of people and especially creating together um, I think it is been uh, an incredible lesson for me and I hope that you guys feel like we're doing that good. I, I do, and I and I appreciate that because when there's a song and it needs a guitar part, and it's a, we'll write a guitar part. 
I'm like, shoot, there's like an infinite amount of guitar parts right. I can write. For this. <laughs> I don't know what's right. A lot of times he'll come and say, well, I want something like, you know, this Jackson 5 song, this guitar part in there. Then I get excited because I don't, I don't, I've never written a part like that. So now mm. I get, got something new to work on yeah, and yeah. it does ignite creativity that way. Yeah, that's wonderful to hear that you guys have that bond and that creativity going on. Yeah. So as a last question uh, before we close out the night, um, as an audience, I don't want to come off the wrong way, but as an audience member, why do I care? Well, because we care. Like if you're, I mean, again, I was mentioning this earlier, you're going to see if the band is cohesive. You're going to see if the band is uh awesome and powerful and gelled and has honestly practiced and uh you know that's what it is if they're again given what johnny said all you got that's you know you're gonna naturally care as an audience member you should care because we are here for you uh and i think that's something that uh is one of my biggest pet peeves with bands or artists is if i go and see them and i feel like i am there because they need something from me and I feel like that's the, the biggest thing is that it's, we are, if you boil it down, you know, it's, it's entertainment. Um, and whether that entertainment comes in an emotional connection or something deeper, it's still, it's still entertainment. And we are here because we're here to bring something to you. We're here for you. And sometimes, I mean, I mean even, even so, like, if we're playing a gig and I want to play all our newest songs, and people have no idea what songs we're playing. And I'm like, we're going to play Hold On by Sam and Dave because they're going to get down on that and people are going to feel it and they're going to love it because I'm not here for myself. Mm -hmm. I think going off of what you said, one of those mantras is it's not about you. Mm -hmm. And I think it's one of the biggest things you have to bring actually when you start playing because I think we're taught in music and we're taught by artists that, you know, it's about you. It becomes about you. You are the star. It becomes about you. This is your moment. It's your music. Yeah. You're giving it out. But what you realize is that it's not about you. It's about you taking what you've created and giving it to somebody or taking your talent and singing a song that they know and, and blowing them away. Um, that it's not about you, it's about you giving to them. And through that, I mean, we get the biggest rush ever. It's so great that we get to do that. So I think audiences should care because it, it, although it seems like you're coming to see us, we're really, you're, you came so that we could give something to you, so that you guys could walk away feeling like you you were served, like you were given something. I think for uh, coming from a different perspective, because you all do original music. Yeah. Me being a classical artist, so like let's say go back to Schumann. So you have Dichter Lieber, which is one of my most mm -hmm. awesome, I think, collection of songs ever written. And so when people come, they already expect that, you know, you're going to know the language and that you're going to be able to take those words and you're going to finesse them and you're going to interpret them. But, you know, you bring you to what another artist has already created mm -hmm. and then you put your stamp on it mm -hmm. as an artist and you bring your life experiences behind it and you put how you see the world through another composer's lens. Um, and you bring that to life. And I think that's why audiences should care. And for me, when I have that opportunity to do that, it is me serving the music to serve you. I was, I mean, kind of along that way, just as a music fan myself, but why would I care about another band is, I just, I recently got a DVD of one of my favorite bands. And there's a song on there that is fine, but I never really particularly got into. And on this DVD, they went into it a little bit. 
what it was, who was playing on it, and all of a sudden, I sat down with all that information. It was one of the greatest songs I ever heard. Mm -hmm. And just mm -hmm. that stuff, it, it really changes it. The yeah. more you know, the, the better it is. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you thank to you. everybody. Give a hand thank to you. yourselves. That was great. You have just listened to Dinner with Bands. I would like to thank our guests, Saja Butler of Lois and the Lantern, who is playing at 2017's New West Fest in Fort Collins, Anthony McGlon, an advocate for social justice through the arts, and Sean and Johnny of The Burrows, who are going in-studio to record a new album soon. You can check out these guests' collaborative studio performance on kcsufm.com. I would like to thank everyone who made this episode possible. Our engineers were Alex Scott and Josh Moore. The music in this episode includes Springish by Gillicuddy, Making Change in Puzzle Pieces, both by Lee Rosevere, and Hopefully by Lobo Loco. Our producers were Joe Wood, Brian Teisel, and Hannah Copeland. Special thanks to Julie Sutter and Jesse Elliott of the Music District, Pete Wack, and Music City Hot Chicken for providing the dinner or dinner with bands. Are we done? Can I take this off Absolutely. now? Absolutely. Shot, 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 sh